0: podcast series brought to you by the St. Catharines Museum and Welland Canal Centre. We're bringing you all things to do with St. Catharines, our history, and what's going on at our museum. Today you're listening to
1: Helen Booth, Archival Collections Technician at the St. Catharines Museum.
2: Sarah Horn, Artifact Collections Technician at the Museum. And Sarah Nixon, Public Programmer here at the Museum.
0: Since there's two Sarahs who work here, we often joke and call me Programming Sarah and Sarah Horn Artifact Sarah. So we'll likely use those two names to address each other in today's episode. Okay, I'll give it to Archives Helen to start us off with a land acknowledgement.
1: Our community is filled with diverse stories and we recognize that our story begins with the indigenous peoples of this land. We acknowledge that we are recording this podcast on lands that would have been inhabited by the Indigenous people for millennia, and we would like to honor the centuries of Indigenous peoples who walked on Turtle Island before us.
2: Well, there's no sugarcoating it. We are now well into the COVID-19 health crisis. If you are not in full isolation, you and the rest of us are at least practicing safe social distancing, which means spending more time at home than we ever had before. And let's face it, there's only so much Netflix and Disney Plus you can watch.
0: Here at the St. Catharines Museum, we are working hard to deliver quality programming to our community through our online platforms. We're creating content for Facebook Live with videos of gallery tours and DIY crafts and activities, sharing more of our collection online, blog posts, and podcast episodes. We want to provide you with engaging and stimulating edutainment. Today on Museum Chat Live, I've brought two of our collection's technicians, Helen and Sarah, on the podcast to help share ideas of how you can use this time of self-isolation to get reconnected with your family history. Maybe you've been avoiding those boxes of old family photos or that pile of records a family member left to you. Maybe you've been wanting to start researching your family history, but it seemed like a daunting task. And you just didn't have the time. Well, now you do. Starting a family history project is a great opportunity for you to pass the extra time you have at home in a meaningful, constructive way and to learn more about your family history. The content for this podcast episode all comes from the St. Catharines Museum's Family History Workshop series. This is a two-day workshop that was offered in February 2020 and is planned again in the fall. While we're sharing some of the major tips and tricks for starting a family history project on this episode, We encourage you to register for our upcoming workshop series this fall for even more resources, skills, and knowledge to help you move forward on your projects. So Helen, I'll start with you. Let's say I've been self-isolating at home for quite a while now, and those boxes of family photos currently in my attic, the ones I've been avoiding for ages, they started to call to me. How do I start the daunting process of organizing them?
1: Well, this is a great project to do while we're all stuck at home. It's uh, it's a perfect time to do it, and one of the key things you're going to need is some space and time, and hopefully you have the space and you definitely have the time right now (laughs) so let's uh, let's begin the first thing you need to do is gather everything around you bring it all down from the attic up from the basement out from the closets out from the drawers spread it all out and really have a look and see what it is that you have Um, you can start organizing it into piles of materials uh, photographs, old documents, letters, all that sort of thing, and really see if you can get an idea of the scope of what you have, and um, start to write it down. But get yourself some uh, post-it notes. Hopefully, you have those already. And you don't have to go out to the stores. Um, if you don't have post-it notes, you can also just take scrap pieces of paper and maybe Scotch that take. Them down or something like that, but just so that you have labeled piles so you don't get confused and lost in, in your organization as you go along. Once you've got the piles organized, then you can start looking at what it is you actually have. And One of the best ways to do that is to start yourself going on a little spreadsheet. Whether you have Excel or if you want to use the Google tool for that, you can use Google Sheets which is available through Google Drive. Drive. And um, what you need just need to do is separate it out into various um, categories that work for the particular collection you have. Everybody's is going to be different, but one of the key organizational sections that you can sort it out into are date, um, what kind of material it is, whether it's photographs, letters, military records, that sort of thing. Um, uh, where they come from, whether they're from England, whether they're from another part of the world, whether they're from this part of Canada, another part of Canada, just to kind of track where your family might have come from and where they're going. And um, and then just work on that and just put everything all together in that way. And that it should co- start coming together and you should be able to start seeing what it is... Uh, you have in the scope of your collection through your initial organization. And after that, as you go along, you can get more and more um, detailed, uh, depending on how how much material you have, of course.
0: Awesome! That is a great, great way to start this very You made it seem not daunting, actually. So thank you, Helen. I really appreciate that. Um, I think we will, on the blog, we will post some templates of the inventories that Helen was mentioning, just to give you an idea of what it could look like um, and a a great great starting off point for you as well. I do have a question about digitizing these documents. Artifacts, Sarah, do you have any tips on a digitization project?
2: Sure, so you can start uh, scanning your collection, and even if you don't have a scanner, you can get a lot done using a smartphone. Uh, If you're using an iPhone, you can scan using your Notes app, and if you're using an Android phone, you can scan using the Google Drive app. Uh, For detailed instructions on those, just Google scan with your, and put in your phone type. Uh, There are a lot of websites with screenshots of the entire process. Um, If you do have a scanner, or even if you're scanning with your phone, you should probably remove your paper clips and staples first. Uh, Just be really gentle. If you're removing staples, kind of flip it over and lift up the two arms of the staple and then gently remove it that way. Just a question
0: there. So, I imagine that staples and paper clips, those can't be good for our old documents anyway, right? So you probably want to get rid of them?
2: Yeah, so oh, okay. you should probably get rid of them. Uh, over time, they start degrading and then you just get staining on your documents. Right. Um, or if you have stuff, definitely remove elastics. Elastics start degrading and then they stick and cause stains and they're just not good. Mm. Get rid of them. Get rid of
0: them, okay.
2: I would also recommend renaming your files as you go, as you scan them so you can easily and quickly identify them later. Uh, Come up with a system that works for you. There's no right or wrong way. Just the most important thing is consistency. So for example, you may name your files based on date. Maybe you do May 2019.001, the next one May 2019.002, and so on. Uh, You can also organize it all into folders on your computer as you go. Uh, You can organize by date, by event, by person, or any combination of things. Uh, For example, you may have all photographs and documents from May 2019 in one folder, with subfolders that organize by event, like vacations, birthdays, a day at the park. Um, Again, organize in a way that works best for you, um, and just be consistent.
0: So consistency is
2: key here. Super key. Okay. Uh, It's a good idea to think about backing up your data as well. Uh, This may be to an external hard drive, a USB disk, uh, disks like CDRs or the cloud. Um, While technology is great, there are the occasional hiccups that may corrupt or delete your work. It's awful when it happens, but we can plan for it and minimize the damage, so plan to back up your work regularly. Uh, Maybe you back up every 200 photos or when you finish a month's worth of documents. Do whatever makes you feel comfortable. Uh, Try to also be aware of the lifespan of your backup method. As technology continues to move forward, some things we're using are gonna change. They may stop being supported by tech companies or maybe just stop working altogether. For example, discs are susceptible to scratches that can stop them from working. Uh, The computer wouldn't be able to read them anymore. As things change and new technologies emerge, take that opportunity to do a fresh backup. So you never know what can happen.
0: Oh, that's a really great idea. I think that's one of my biggest you know, fears in all of this is that I'm going to put everything on a USB drive and then those become outdated. But I like that idea of constantly being aware of technology as it's updating and just updating with that technology. And having multiple different hard drives or different storage processes will mean that One of them's got to still work in 20 years, right? (laughs) So I like that Mm -hmm. idea of having multiples. And in the end, you still have your originals, too. It's just the idea that we're elongating the life of those originals if we also digitize them.
2: Right. So once you digitize them, then you limit handling, and handling is the number one cause of damage to our family treasures. It's good to limit that.
1: And, of course, most of our family don't usually live within close proximity of us, so it's easier to share these documents with them as well, Absolutely. which is probably one of the main reasons that you're wanting to keep your family history, mm-hmm. so that you can share this and you know hand this down to next generations, same generations, all that. It's just a, a, a safe and convenient way of being able to do that.
0: Absolutely. Oh, that's great, you guys. Thank you. Um, talking about, about family, we are doing a lot of the preserving our family photos and documents and. Our family treasures uh, because we want to preserve our family history and we want to share it with our family today as well as for future generations so that brings me to another question that I'm interested in which are other family history projects or tasks that people could do from home Helen do you have any insight on, on that
1: well, your, what you have already at home is a really good jumping off point to be able to figure out what gaps you have. Mm-hmm. And if you are working on your family history, working on your family records, um, you really need to organize everything first, figure out where your gaps are, and then from there you can launch into a, um, a research project if that works for you. There's numerous places that you can go online without having to go out of the safety of your home. Mm-hmm. Um, though of course once all this is over you can come visit us at the museum (laughs) but um, you can definitely go online we do have our e-museum website where you can start looking see if there's anything on your family in there Uh, the St Catherine's Library of course has a really good local history section and you can look there and uh, Archives Ontario just you know um, there's a lot of obituary websites that uh, list where people are buried and and if you can find um, there's a great resource with that where people will actually voli- volunteer and will go out and take photographs of the different grave sites. Mm. Um, and then they'll post it online so you have this wonderful database of the actual stones without having to go there. Exactly. So, uh, and that can be in countries all over the world, mm-hmm. so not just Canada or our backyard. So that's a great way to start as well. But the key to it, of course, is starting out to figure out what you need to know. What holes there are. Who great Uncle Ralph was married to for the third time, or something like that. You know. So once you figure all that out, you'll you'll be well on your way to um, to establishing your uh, research projects, and then be ready because that's going to take you down very many rabbit holes, Absolutely. and um, you're going to have uh, quite a. You're going to be investing a lot of time in this. Well over uh, the once all this COVID nineteen has passed, you'll be still involved.
0: Exactly. it's a lifelong project absolutely and what a great time to start now we can get over the scary bumps that have been holding us back for so long take this opportunity to start the process and then we can continue it on for for years to come so that's great uh we'll definitely post a few of the links that helen mentioned in the the show notes about archives arterio or find my grave that website is a really great resource uh Artifacts, Sarah, do you have any ideas or suggestions for projects or tasks we can do at home?
2: Sure, one task you can do that I'm a big advocate for is um, identifying hazards that you might have among your family heirlooms. Throughout history, we've made a lot of things with materials that we later found out were hazardous to our health, things like lead, mercury, arsenic, asbestos, even radium. Uh, There was a paint called Undark that was used, uh, that contained radium, um, and that was used to make watch dials glow in the early 1900s. So good to identify that.
0: I will say that. We love talking to Artifact Sarah about hazards, and bugs are a big one, too. <laughs> she is our hazard and bug expert.
2: So thank you, Sarah, for talking about bugs. Bugs are coming up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's also a good idea to look out for objects with sharp edges or points. And uh, you can identify these hazards or potential hazards and mark whatever container they're in for future reference. Uh, if you're inventorying your objects like your photos and your documents, you can put the objects in there as well and add a column to your spreadsheet to flag them if they're made of something that might be hazardous to come in contact with. And while you may not be able to rehouse your heirlooms into containers that are appropriate for long-term storage right now, there are no cost options that you can start with. You can make sure your treasures are in an area of your house that has a fairly consistent temperature and relative humidity. Uh, Even if the temperature isn't optimal, fluctuations can be much more damaging. So that means avoiding attics, basements, and placing things near exterior walls. Uh, Attics and basements also tend to be very wet. You get lots of flooding in basements, so it's good to get them out of there. Um, Avoid having boxes directly on the floor. Um, And silverfish love cardboard boxes, so it's good to put them in an area that they can't get to (laughs) as easily.
0: Those are absolutely things we can do at home, even just moving our family heirlooms and treasures to places that are safer in our house. And then once we are allowed back outside, (laughs) we can purchase the storage materials that are actually necessary or needed. Even
1: just moving the boxes, cleaning out around them, Mm -hmm. and then if you have to put them back, uh, just clean them out, empty out the boxes, dust them out, put the material back in the box. Even that would help just for the short term.
2: Speaking of insects, it's a good idea to regularly check your textiles for signs of insect damage. Uh, that's a good thing you can just put in your phone to maybe check on them once a year at least. Uh, the insects we need to watch out for are often very, very tiny, sometimes as small as one millimeter, uh, so they're very easy to go unnoticed. Uh, many like to munch on items made of natural materials such as wool, silk, and feathers. Sometimes they're attracted to the, just the dyes that were used. Uh, They also like dirt, so make sure the textiles you have stored away are clean. If possible, they can be wrapped in acid-free tissue as an extra barrier. I think you can still order that online if you don't happen to have any. And I don't recommend using mothballs because these are usually made using chemicals that are known carcinogens and are very hazardous to us and our pets. Mm
0: -hmm. And again, these are all things that we can do at home in the short term caring for our treasures, and starting to research our family history. These are all, all short-term projects that, that can become long-term as we get more and more invested in our family history. Uh, one thing that I was thinking about as another family project that we can start at home is oral history interviews or recording some of our family history as well. I know a lot of people are saying, you know, check on your family members, give them a call, make sure everyone's doing okay, especially, you know, your older family members who might be living alone or might be in more isolation. We can use that time to actually interview them about their life experiences. You know, maybe you call your great auntie mural and say, hey, what was your childhood like? Or how did you come to Canada? Or how did you come to St. Catharines? And getting to know a little bit more about your family history by sitting down over the phone and interviewing your family members and trying to gain a larger picture of what your family looks like, even just by talking to the to the people you know. I think we all have a little bit more time on our hands and I think this is a great opportunity for us to connect more with family members. I know even myself, I've spent the past week talking to people on the phone that I haven't normally talked to. So maybe this is a good opportunity for you to do the same and to learn more about your family history that way connecting with your grandmother or your mom or dad or uncle or whoever and getting to know about their life experiences what brought them up to today and how you can use that to start to research and, and fill your family history well thanks sarah and helen i think those are some really great starts for family history projects that we can do At home, maybe we'll call them self-isolation projects, and that maybe (laughs) can continue on.
1: Well, we hope we were able to give you more ideas for isolation projects, and that you can put our tips and tricks to good use as you work with your family history at home.
2: And if you're interested in digging even deeper into your family history, be on the lookout for our next family history workshop series planned for fall 2020. Right now, the dates for this two-day workshop are Saturday, October 24th, and Saturday, November 7th.
0: That's it for this episode of Museum Chat Live. This podcast was produced by Sarah Nixon, with special guests Helen Booth and Sarah Horn. Thank you for your time and your research for making this podcast episode possible.
1: Museum Chat Live is brought to you by the St. Catharines Museum and Welland Canal Centre and by the City of St. Catharines.